0: The next three devotions that I'm going to share with you today, tomorrow, and the next day, they deal with God's dealings with the wicked. And I love to come at it from this perspective today because of these scriptures that I am so grateful and that they are there for us to learn how God's heart is moved with compassion for those that have been captured by sin and are being driven by it, by tidal waves and forces, hurricane forces of iniquity and transgression and sin and need a savior. And we know how great his compassion is for sinners in that he sent Jesus into the world to save sinners. Pastor Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter one, And he says, I am the greatest of all sinners, but God has used me as an example of what he can do through Jesus Christ for anyone who comes to him. Oh, I'm so grateful that Jesus is such an amazing Savior. One of the great chapters in the book of Isaiah, besides chapter 53 and many other chapters, is chapter 55. So read with me the first three verses of Isaiah chapter 55. And then we'll also read verse 6 and verse 7. I think this is such a powerful chapter that you can learn so much from. Ho, ho, in other words, hey, you, ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what's not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you the sure mercies of David, verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God and he will abundantly pardon. My goodness, friends, you read this chapter and you will see the heart of your heavenly father, how good he is. God is good and His mercy endures forever is what Israel was taught to chant consistently. It is so powerful to see the loving heart of God. So let me take you for a second here to Acts chapter 13 and show you what are the sure mercies of David. What does that mean? Okay, you may go, well, I know where David made some terrible mistakes and God forgave him and restored him. Yeah, he paid some horrible prices as consequences for those actions, but the Lord helped him through those painful consequential times and restored him. And so, okay, is that the sure mercy of God? Well, that's part of it, but it's bigger than that. It's much, much bigger than that, you say. Bigger, bigger than what God did for David in his sin against Bathsheba and her husband Uriah, and how he sinned against the Lord in Psalm 51 and all of that. Bigger than that? Yeah. No, yeah, it's much bigger. And I'll show you right here from Acts chapter 13, and we'll start reading at verse 32, okay? Starting at verse 32. We declare to you the glad tidings, that promise which was made to our fathers, to the fathers. God has fulfilled this for us, their children, in that he has raised up Jesus, as it is also written in the second Psalm. You are my son, today I have begotten you, and that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken thus, I will give you the sure mercy of David. Therefore, he also says in another psalm, you will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, was buried with his fathers and saw corruption. But he who God raised up saw no corruption. Therefore let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him everyone who believes is justified from all things from which he, you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Beware therefore lest what has been spoken um, in the prophets came upon you, and so forth. So what he is saying here, He's showing you what are the sure mercies of David. That God raised up Jesus Christ from the dead to minister into you and me. Not just the forgiveness of sin, but a life immortal. A life eternal in perfect communion with the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. A life in perfect righteousness, peace and joy by the Holy Spirit. He not only takes away that which is the old that corrupts and dies because of sin, but he brings in the new that cannot be corrupted and never die and never sin, the life of the Son of God that now reigns over sin and death and hell. Those are the sure mercies of David. And as you can see, are so much greater than the Lord just dealing with that one situation in David's life. He didn't just deal with the one situation. He dealt with the root that caused David to stumble in that way. It's one thing for the Lord to take away the fruit that caused so much much devastation. It's another thing for the Lord to take away the root that brought it all about. And the Lord is not only looking to take away the bitter bitter fruits of your failings and disappointments in yourself, but He is willing to take away the root that you will never have to suffer with such a depravity of the sin nature again, but that you are now free for whom the Son is set free from sin is free indeed. Can you hear me? And friends, all of us, have needed this sure mercy of David to be made alive. And it says in Ephesians 2, you he made alive who were dead in trespasses, in which you once walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and, and the mind and were by nature, children of God's wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even though we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Oh, hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. By grace, you have been saved. Can you say amen to that? And listen to this. Listen to this. We're talking about mercy for the wicked. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators. The word fornicator means pornography. People that indulge themselves in pornography will not inherit the kingdom of God. Neither idolaters, neither adulterers when you betray your wife and children by going off with another that's called adultery and it's a painful grievous sin that causes a lot of damage i want to encourage you to google on the on the live church here and and google up the word adultery and you'll see that i did a devotion some years ago about adultery that is really was inspired by the lord jesus but don't be deceived Daughters will not inherit the kingdom of God, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God, extortioners. Some people think the Lord blessed them and prospered them because they deceived somebody in buying something that was worthless or that wasn't worth. And... You know, that's an extortioner. You extort from others their money in an in an ungodly way. And if you live that way, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. God will prosper you, but you have to have some integrity if you want him to prosper you, and you have to honor him with your tithes and offerings. But listen, such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. One businessman one time looked at me many, many years ago and he said, Pastor Robert, why do you let that man come to your church when you know the mistakes he's made? I said, oh, that's exactly why. Because that's what I'm here for, to see Jesus transform people's lives. Why should we be critical about others if we don't do anything to help them change their ways? And if we don't extend mercy to them, how can God extend mercy to others? Jesus said in Luke chapter six, excuse me. If we don't extend mercy to them, how can God extend mercy to us? Jesus said in Matthew, no, excuse me. Jesus said in Luke chapter six, verse 36, be merciful, even as your heavenly Father is merciful to you. you got to show mercy if you've got it. And if you can't show it, you must not have it. But if you have it, it should show. And I tell you, I was actually so sweetly humbled by that question. Why do you let that man come to your church when you know the mistakes he's made? Because I believe in a beautiful Savior who washes away every stain and who encourages the wicked. Come, come. Let the wicked man forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord for he will be merciful and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. It says there in Isaiah. And yes, There has to be a real repentance, but it is the goodness of God. We read in Romans 2 verse 4 that leads us to repentance. And I see that spirit of God, and I'll read it to you right here, throughout scriptures interceding today for mercy for the wicked. Listen to this and see the heart of your heavenly father in Exodus. No, in Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 10 and 11. And you, son of man, say to the house of Israel, thus you have said truly, our transgressions and our sins are upon us and we waste away because of them. How then can we live? Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back. Turn back from your evil ways, for why would you die, O my house Israel? Do you see this again? As I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? you see the heart of your father? you see how he pleads for the wicked to receive his mercy so that they may escape from their wickedness and find refuge in the loving arms of a loving Savior who paid the penalty for all their sins and failings and has the power to give them a new heart and a new mind that they can live a new life that is free from such wickedness and free from such sins? Oh, I tell you the truth. When we see people, you know, that really are are not good, right? People that really are, are bad in their ways. It always is a test of our character more than theirs. When you see the weaknesses and failings of others, it always shows up what your character is made. What your character is made of. It's not the exposure of their characters, it's the confrontation of what lives in you. Do you understand? One husband came to me because his wife had committed adultery and I I know his behavior had pushed her to the uttermost. At the same time, I felt compassion for him and his pain. And I said to him, This what you are facing now is a test of your character. How do you deal with the wickedness, with the sins, the failings of others? Shows how much you are like Jesus. You understand? And it says here in 2 Samuel, chapter 14, verse 14. For we will surely die and become like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again Yet God does not take away a life, but he devises means so that his banished ones are not expelled from him. You see, when people are overtaken in a fault or when their mistakes finally catch up on them, Maybe they mocked at it and laughed at it and continued in it. Maybe they thought they got away with it and they're so happy and they're living in their pleasure, sexual pleasure, financial pleasure. Sin lies to you and promises you pleasure that it cannot give. Sin never can give you the pleasures it promises. And the price you pay for sin and wickedness is always much greater than any pleasure you get from it. But while you may be In your wickedness, pursuing it, persisting, blinded to the pain and the harm that you cause to God and to others. God is devising a means to bring you back to himself. You see, he's not looking for a means to destroy you, but a means to save you. And I think that is so important. In Proverbs chapter 24, Proverbs 24 Come on. Oh, thank you, Lord, for the word. Proverbs 24, verse 17. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. Do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. Lest the Lord see it and it displease him. You see, when somebody who's been wicked falls, their wickedness finally catches up with on them and finally they're confronted and they cannot outrun it anymore. They cannot indulge themselves any further to escape it and it catches up on them and they're confronted with the way that they've been going that is evil and wrong in God's sight as well as grievous and harmful to others. Do not laugh at it. Do not think, well, you reap what you sowed. Here you go. Oh, God does not like that kind of heart. He does not like that kind of heart. He does not like the heart that relishes in in the chastisement of others. And I think that that is such a phenomenally important thing to know. You know, there's this scripture here in Obadiah. Obadiah is maybe not a prophet we often hear too much preached about. He only has one chapter in his book here's Obadiah and in Obadiah chapter uh, verse 12 I'll start reading but you should not have gazed on the day of your brother in the day of his captivity nor should you have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction, nor should you have spoken proudly in the days of distress. You should not have entered the gates of my people in the day of their calamity. Indeed, you should not have gazed on their affliction in the day of their calamity, nor laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. You should not have stood at the crossroads to cut off those among them who escaped, nor should you have delivered up those of them who remained in the day of distress. For the day of the Lord upon all the nations is near. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your reprisal shall return upon your own head. Nothing brings the very thing that you have been so upset about upon your own head when you rejoice in the judgment of other people. Nothing will bring it quicker upon your head. It should be the other way around. You should wail and weep and weep and wail before the Lord when you see the wicked of the wicked catch up on them and bring them to the breaking point. You shouldn't relish in it and, th- and, and be happy that it, they had it coming. No, you should be weeping and say, Lord, you've been so merciful to me and my failings. Please, Lord, have mercy and judgment. Please, Lord, let your mercy triumph over your judgment. Please, Lord, extend mercy and forgive them. Please, Lord, do not condemn them for their failings. For whom I stand if you would regard iniquity, but there's forgiveness with you that you may be feared. Psalm 130 verse 4. And you weep before the Lord like Moses did for Israel, like Jesus did on Calvary's cross. You weep before the Lord. I say all of this to you because I really feel the Holy Spirit needs to work this kind of a heart in us as the church today. That we are not embracing the spirit of this world that has become like a mob. And if anybody makes a mistake, we're ready to destroy them and annihilate them and get rid of them. And I don't believe in that. Yes, I do believe there are painful consequences for some of the real painful actions of people. There are often, and the consequences cannot always be held back. Neither the mercy of God should be held back and God should be the judge of the situation. And we need that today. And let me close with David's great, amazing Psalm 41. Blessed is he who considers the poor and the Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive and he will be blessed on the earth and you will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness and you will sustain him on his sick bed. This is what David says the Lord will do for the person who's doing what I'm showing you today. For the person who weeps, for the person whose wickedness has caught up with him, whose consequences has come upon his head because of the wrong choices he or she had made. And that you're merciful, you're considerate, you're compassionate, you're praying for them, you're believing for God's mercy for them, you're believing that God upholds them and sustains them and brings them through with a transformed heart and mind with the favor of mercy upon their lives. Oh, let us be known for mercy. I don't want to have a reputation. I did everything perfect. I want to have a reputation that I am what I am by the grace of God and that he was perfect in his goodness and mercy towards me. I said, Lord, be merciful to me. Heal my soul for I've sinned against you. My enemy speaks evil of me. When will he die and his name perish? And if he comes to see me, he speaks lies. His heart gathers iniquity to itself and he goes out. He tells it, all who hate me whisper together gossip against me. Against me, they devise my hurt. An evil disease, they say, clings to him. And now that he lies down, he will rise no more. Even my own familiar friend whom I trusted... Who ate my bread has lifted up his heel against me. But you, O Lord, be merciful to me and raise me up, that I may repay them. By this I know that you're well pleased with me, because my enemy does not triumph over me. As for me, you uphold me in my integrity and set me before your face forever. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. (coughs) What is the enemy? It's the enemy that mocks and laughs at the demise of people that have made a mess of it. And God doesn't like it. And we need to train ourselves in true compassion and prayer and love and faith for people when when they're going through it because they made wrong choices. Can you hear me today? Would you ask the Lord Jesus in His great love and compassion, teach me this, Jesus. Would you meditate here on Psalm 41? Would you pursue this with your whole heart? Because the Lord is calling you. He needs you today. There are so many people who are starting to wake up to wrong choices they've made. People that are waking up to the consequences of wrong choices. And they don't know where to go for help. The mob mentality is ready to destroy them with harsh rhetoric on social media. Let's not be one of them. Let's never allow our offenses to be vented on social media. Come on now. Let's be a gospel of mercy and grace and prayer and faith. And I agree, I I agree, folks. Some things are terribly wicked and terribly evil at the same time. I know mercy that is greater than all judgment. It's the love of my Savior, Jesus. And I pray that we all embrace that mercy day and night and extend it even to the harshest failures of others. Amen. Have a good day.